Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Play fake. He's got Moss open. Inside touchdown Vikings. Oh man, love that. Love that little little Dante Culpepper to Randy Moss montage to start the show here. This is Purple Daily. Mackie Judd, executive producer Declan, presented by our friends at TCL. Enjoy more of what you love with TCL and gentlemen. You know, this is this is the off off season, right? Like technically the off season starts after the Super Bowl. And there's that first chunk of three months where it's exciting off season. There's news, there's speculating on free agency and draft, mock draft season, and then there's schedule release season, which is like, you know, two weeks after the draft. But we've you know, we've entered like the two month stretch between now and training camp where the uh the content canvas is blank, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we're still gonna be pumping out daily Vikings entertainment. And we thought it would be fun. We used to do a podcast, and you can still find these episodes called Minnesota Sports Rewind. And we thought it would be fun to take that concept and bring it every single Thursday to Purple Daily and take a look back at some of the most fun, sometimes the most devastating, but some of the most meaningful moments, whether it's games, trades, seasons, etc., in Vikings history. And so today is our deep dive into 2004 peak Dante Culpepper, boys. Oh. Get your roll on. Oh, yeah. Everybody get it your is one of the best celebrations. On. That's right. Start slow. You, you start, start slow, slow right here. Oh, yep. Look at this. It's moving a little faster. A little faster. Punch. In punch. truthfulness, did you guys really like the roll? Yes. I did. I was a fan of the role. As, as 11, 12-year-old playing backyard football in elementary that? school, that was the move to do, dude. That was it. That was 100% it. That was my problem. Is I thought the role looked like looked like a fourth grade or fifth grade move. I just <laughs> well, never thought. I never thought the role had a lot to it. Like I thought the role was like it looked like a little kid. I'm not saying I hated it. It just wasn't all right. My okay, all right, Mister Touchdown Celebration guy. What, is, what, what is an acceptable touchdown celebration? <sighs> you know, I would have liked if, if there, there had been. And this would would have probably been flagged, okay? So to be clear, it probably wasn't possible. I I would have liked if Dante and Randy had come up with a move between them, 
because there were so many touchdowns between them, as we just saw. It would have been cool if there had been, because I feel like Moss would have contributed something really cool to the mix. But I think at that time that would have drawn a flag. So I'm maybe a double I'm, moon, maybe a double moon, one on each one on each side of the goalpost. Joe Joe Buck can have a field for, day for his shortcomings personality wise. Randy Moss was a pretty smart cat, and I feel yeah. and and hip too. He very hip cat, and I feel he would have come up with something with Dante that could have been pretty good. Like now, I I think it would definitely be on. You know, for as old school as for as new school as Randy was during his career. He was actually pretty old school in that, like, he would score a touchdown and he would often just hand the ball to the official mm-hmm. and run back to the sidelines. Maybe he'd moon the Packers, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But, uh, boys, let me just set the scene here, and then we'll get to the, the framework for these episodes. We'll set the scene. We'll give you the need to know, and then we're going to dive into the, to the usually five key questions surrounding set events. So 2004 Dante Culpepper. This was the last great year for Dante. He was only 27 years old in 2004. <laughs> putting up just ridiculous numbers. And then by the time he was 28, he blew his knee out the next year, and he was never the same. But he led the NFL with 4,700 yards passing, which was, a, I mean, that was like one of the three to five best yardage seasons, I think, in history at that time. Mm-hmm. He finished second in completion percentage, just under 70% completions, second in touchdown passes with 39, second in passer rating, 110.9. And if Peyton Manning didn't, put up even better numbers in most of those categories, Dante likely would have been the NFL's MVP. Uh, the Packer, or the Vikings also beat the Packers in a playoff game at Lambeau that year. That's the famous Randy Moss mooning incident. And boys, I actually have, and I, maybe I'll quiz you on this, I have a list in front of me of the Vikings starting 22 players, or at least okay. the 22 players that started most frequently. Can you name the offensive starters on that 2014 before we get to key questions? You know, Dex go because I, I was in Green Bay covering the pack uh, Packers that season, so I'm so probably starters. gonna be a little bit behind. So starters. And now he admits it. There it is. Yeah. That job was oh, living was in Packer, Green Bay, hanging out with Brett Favre. You guys didn't know that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was spending all my money in Wisconsin. I was supporting the Packers. I you know, for all you guys know, I bought I bought a little bit of that yeah. team. Maybe I mean, you don't know. Yeah, Judd's an owner, man. He gets he gets uh, an invite to those bagel free Me bagel meetings once a year. Me and Bernie. Bernie the Brewer or Bernie our co-worker Bernie Bernie Lauer, <laughs> Bernie Lauer. Who's, who's got a piece of the pack? Do you think Bernie um, the Bernie Brewer is is also does, does he have one of those certificates? Probably I just does. wish probably does. Yeah. I just wish that that he still slid down the beer mug after after mm-hmm. uh, Brewers home runs instead of that stupid thing that they have at at the new ballpark. I think he should, I think he should get loaded and, and get in the uh, bullpen car and ride it around. Yeah. I would. You know what? In Wisconsin. Anything goes. All right, give me the give me the running okay. back, the two starting. You already know Randy Moss. I'll give you that one. The other starting well, receiver. Bennett was the running back, right? Yep. Uh, Kelly Campbell, the other wide receiver. Uh, Kelly Campbell was not a starter. Ran, so there's two wide receivers, Randy mm-hmm. Moss and blank. Wouldn't be. Uh, Nate Burleson? Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah, he was there in 05 when I covered him. Jermaine Wiggins. Is Wiggins the starting tight end? Jermaine Wiggins, starting tight end. I love um, Jermaine Wiggins. You guys are on a roll here. Offensive line, you're going to, you could for sure get three of Burke, those. Burke, Burke at center. Yep. Um, Mike Rosenthal was a starting, ta- started at one of the tackles, I believe. Even though this is uh, a... According to this, he did not, yeah. uh, he, he wasn't the like the majority starter. Okay. The problem with me being like 11, 12 and knowing Culpepper, Moss, Bennett is I definitely did not know the meat and potatoes of the offensive line. 
Brian yeah, McKinney Burke was. Yeah, McKinney? Brian McKinney was the left tackle. McKinney okay. Rosenthal started two games, by the way. At right Burke tackle. was Burke was at center. You had a, you had a guard tandem that started all sixteen games, and then a right tackle that started seven. He was a rookie, and not notable. Fourth hmm. round pick. I'll give you um, Nat, Nat Dorsey was the right yeah, tackle. Oh, guys. wouldn't have gotten that in a million no. years. Chris um, Chris Lewinsky was the left guard. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. David David Dixon was still the oh, okay. starting right guard. Oh, he was still there? Yeah, in 2004. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I thought he was gone by then. Defensive starters, Kenny Mixon, Chris Hovan, Kevin Williams, and Kenechi Udeza were the starting defensive front. Keith Newman, EJ Henderson, and Chris Claiborne were the three linebackers in base. And then Antoine Winfield, Brian Williams, Corey Chavis, and Brian Russell. So you had some seeds being planted here of the, of the 2009 Vikings defense with Kevin Williams, EJ Henderson, Antoine Winfield in that mix. So, boys, key question number one here off 2004, Dante Culpepper. If he doesn't get hurt the next year, if like let's say he plays a, a full prime, right? Yep. And if Moss doesn't get traded, yep. what happens to this Vikings team? Do they win a Super Bowl at some point if they keep that offensive pairing together? So, here, so here's a third part of that equation that I think is very important to keep in mind because I think the answer might be yes, but it would take this to have happened. Uh, do the Wills still buy the team? Because McCombs was so cheap, and they did so many things on the cheap with Red that I think if Red keeps the team, they don't win a Super Bowl. But let's say you mix what the Wills were willing to do as far as spending on players and the team itself, and Moss stays and Culpepper uh, remains as the franchise quarterback. <sighs> I think the answer to the question is they make a Super Bowl for sure. Wow. And might have won it. If because yeah. if you take if you take what the Wilfs did, right? And and now you introduce a franchise QB. Because keep in mind, Childress got the job in after Ticey was fired in what was that, January of two thousand six. And Childress's original intent was I've got my franchise quarterback. Like before the whole thing with Dante wasn't going to come back and then he had to get paid and blah 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 and it all blew up. Um, but if Childers had gotten his franchise quarterback instead of trying to draft Tavares Jackson, and then you, you've got, you know, Brad Johnson starting, I think they make a Super Bowl. I really do. If you put all the components together of that stew, this franchise has its quarterback. I, if you guys recall post Moss too, the receivers, I mean, we, we're not talking about a slight decline. We're talking about it went off the cliff. It went off the cliff. So, yeah, I think that there is a very good chance that this team would have been immediately competitive. And I guess the question is, does Tice get fired then, which he probably still does? But, yeah, I, I think you have a lot of really good um, um, players, personnel, and an ownership that would have been more aggressive or certainly was. So I'm going to say make a Super Bowl is very realistic with that core. Look at the quarterbacks and teams that made the playoffs in 2005 of that season. The playoff teams were the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, the Bucks, the Seahawks. The Seahawks, 13-3, and they go to the Super Bowl. These were the starting quarterbacks for every other team that year in the NFC for the playoffs. Eli Manning, who had a nice sophomore season, but nothing great, a passer rating of 75.9. The Washington Redskins had Mike Burnell leading them to the playoffs. Uh, that's Mark Burnell. Mark Burnell, excuse me. Put some respect, respect on, on the that name. name. The 2005 Bears were led by Kyle Orton. The 2005 yeah. Bucks, Chris Sims and Brian Greasy, both split starts down the middle that year. Dante Culpepper, 
coming off an MVP season. If he doesn't get hurt, and he got off to a disastrous start statistically in 2005. He was pretty bad through like the first four games, like remarkably bad. But yep. he is a better quarterback, and if Moss is here, that offense rolls. Like I think they absolutely make a run in 2005. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the NFC in general was just sort of in transition because it was the like the like the Packers in the late nineties and the Cowboys and the Niners in the late nineties were the were the were really the teams that owned the NFC and the and the Vikings popped up in nineteen ninety eight and they went to a couple championship games. But for the most part, that period between like oh four and then when Brett Favre arrived in two thousand nine to the Vikings, it was the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning show in the AFC. It was an it was an AFC fireworks show. And then you had like you had a random Seahawks team pop up with Sean Alexander and went to the Super Bowl, and the Packers had kind of gone down the tank, and the the Bears had a couple pop up seasons with a defense, but they didn't have a quarterback. And so um, I, I just pulled up even like the passer rating leaders the next year, and Peyton Manning was number one. And you had Carson Palmer in his prime, but you know he was good, not great. Young Big Ben was third in passer rating, and then you had Matt Hasselbeck, Mark Bulger, Tom Brady. Jake Plummer, Trent Green, Byron Leftwich, and Drew Brees with the with the Chargers before he was really Drew Brees. So there was to answer the question, I don't know if they win a Super Bowl, but if you can assure me between 2005 and 2009, because the 09 thing is a, like that's I still want that window for Brett Favre to be the quarterback because that was super fun. Yep. But if if you get a similar Dante Culpepper. For those like four years, 05 through 08 or something, and you still give me the Steve Hutchinson acquisition in free agency and the Jared Allen trade that the Vikings gave up. I think it was a first and a third or two first and a third or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. If they build the roster the same way, I think the real years to cash in would have been that 06, 07 for sure. 07, they went. I think they went 500 and barely missed the playoffs, and then 08 they went 10 and six, and we're just dragging Tavares Jackson and Gus Farad around, right? So, mm-hmm. in in a weak NFC, so yeah, I don't. I, it's hard to say that they would win a Super Bowl, but if you give me the Wilfs, if you give me Steve Hutchinson, you give me Jared Allen and Brad Childress, I don't know, man, I don't know how that would have worked out. And a healthy Dante Culpepper, it would have been very interesting. Now, people criticize Culpepper. Well, yeah, of course he's going to put up those numbers. He had Randy Moss in his prime. How much do you guys hold that against 2004 or, or any sort of version of Dante Culpepper? I don't at all. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't Bra- love... Brady had him too, by the way. Yeah. And, and, and Manning I, had Marvin Harrison. And... Yeah, I, I didn't love uh, Dante as a player as much as a lot of people did. But, I mean, Moss was there. And, yeah, exactly right. Like, you you name me uh, the great QBs who have not at one point in time had, you know, a guy as a receiver who was really good. And so... I don't hold that against him one bit, and that Vikings team found creative ways. I mean, that 2004 offense was creative. That two that 2004 offense was really, really, really well orchestrated. And if you go back to what Dex is talking about, which was when Dante struggled in 2005, again, I, I'll go back and tell you, look at the depth chart at receiver uh, before he got hurt in Carolina. It was awful. It was basically, for the most part, terrible. So I hold it against him zero. And and in fact, I applaud Dante and the Vikings for finding ways to get the most from both guys. So because we started with when Tice got the job and when Denny got fired, we started with Tice's, of course, Randy ratio, which was, which I get the process there, but it's probably not the best idea. 
And it's like, if he doesn't get X amount of touches per game, right? Passes yeah. thrown his way. The Randy ratios <laughs> not working. And I think by 2004, we had sort of come off the, the actual Randy ratio and just been like, okay, he's really good. He's going to get the ball a ton. So 2004 was like the peak year of when it all popped and came together. Um, but as far as, as like penalizing Dante, because he had great success with Moss, zero he deserves he deserves and that entire offense deserves a ton of credit yeah okay key question number two is Dante Culpepper's 2004 season one of the most underrated quarterback performances of all time and let me give you some context there okay Mm -hmm. now since then there have been a number of big I'm just going to go off passer rating just for context there's been a number of big passer rating seasons because the rules are the rules are a lot different now than they were even in 2004, certainly than they were in the 90s and the 80s. But up until 2004, the only quarterbacks to ever post a passer rating in a single season of 110 or higher were Otto Graham with the 1946 Cleveland Browns, which is amazing. Otto Graham was about 60 years ahead of his time. Tough as nails. Otto <laughs> Graham. Yeah. You had Joe Montana in 1989, Steve Young in 1994, and then Peyton Manning the same year as Dante Culpepper. So at the time of that performance, yep, it was one of the one of the four or five greatest passer rating single season performances in NFL history. Now since then you've had Aaron Rodgers has popped up on this list, you know, three or four times, and uh, Manning and Brady and Breeze and and Patrick Mahomes, and there's there's been about twenty performances that are one ten or higher. Uh, just since then, but is it? I mean, no one talks about it because Peyton Manning set the touchdown pass record, right? Is it one of the most unheralded single season quarterback performances ever? Yeah, it's outstanding. And here, but here's and here's where the Vikings get a ton of credit. And this is this is more probably Moss than Dante. But again, this also shows because in 2004 the league was very different than the league is now. Like, there's almost no passing stat now where you're like, I, I just can't believe that fell. Like that's like the. Single season wise, it feels like if any stat falls now, we, we celebrate and it's cool. But we're like, of course it did because the league and its rules are geared towards the passing game. Uh, but in two thousand four, we weren't completely there yet. We had definitely gone in that direction. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the great years, and and what made that year cool to me in watching it is the fact that again, it was a combination of two guys. It's like a great point guard. It's like Stockton Malone. Like, it wasn't just, oh, Dante is great. It was the Dante Moss thing worked to perfection. And and this is, again, why I think that Moss's 884 should be retired and why he was such a great player. Randy Moss, and heck, it's true with Tom Brady, too. Randy Moss changed the teams that he played for at mm-hmm. one time. And this wasn't true every year. It certainly didn't uh, come to fruition with Oakland. But when you look at 98, when you look at 2004, when you look at Randy with the Patriots, he had the ability. And this still, the quarterback gets credit. So I'm not saying, well, I dismiss what Brady did with him or what Dante did with him. But if you found the right combination, it had the ability to change things. So I think what should be talked about and heralded as the greatness is, and probably again, doesn't get enough credit is the role that both of those guys played in making that such a sensational thing. And that's something else. I think the league took a look at and said, how do we continue down this path? It's a lot of fun. People like it. I mean, it's basically a weekly highlight show, right? 
Like, yeah. as opposed to the pound and ground. Oh, man, I love those Packer Vikings games yeah. where I mean, they like run. The, the play action, like, we played the video clips off the top, and for the for the podcast audience, the three clips we played were all play action. So and, and a couple of them, Dante's, like, hiding. He was great at, like, hiding the ball, just kind of walking back like he's not doing anything, and all of a sudden he turns around and throws the ball 60 yards in the air on a dime to Moss in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were dimes from a long ways away. He had one of the biggest arms in the NFL. But it's nice when you run play action as opposed to, like, the you know, two years later when Brad Johnson's yes. running play action and it's like Bobby Wade running <laughs> down the field or something, right? Yes. When you can exactly. run play action and you can wait a beat and a half, turn around, and Moss is like five yards clear of three defenders with an arm in the air and you can just throw it as far as you want. Uh, he also, Culpepper, ran for 406 yards and two touchdowns, five yards per carry that season, which was another tool in his tool belt that um, I think – People sort of took for granted then. Declan, was Dante the first quarterback that you grew up with? Yes. Yep, he was. Uh, like my, my early, so my earliest football, Vikings football memory is, is 2000. So, so I, I remember 41 Donut. Perfect. Um, I remember the week before when they, when they lit up the Saints. Um, but yeah, Dante was, the, was my first quarterback. First football jersey I ever had was a Dante Culpepper jersey. Dante and Teddy, man, they, they literally are my one and two. They're my, they're my, yeah. they're my one and two. They, they are my, so, they're my long-lost loves. So key question number three, then, as we sort of move along the, the line of Dante's career, it wasn't that he wasn't appreciated at his peak, because I think people talked about him and certainly respected the, his, his 260-pound frame that could run for touchdowns. He had 10 touchdown runs in one of those years. But how do you think Dante and that skill set that he had, the big arm, the running ability, um, how would he be viewed in today's NFL? How would he stack up against some of the other mobile quarterbacks? I think he'd stack up pretty well. And the, the thing about Culpepper that struck me, and I don't remember, so I, I was in my 30s. I think I was 30 in 2000, so the first year he started. So I, I had certainly been following the Vikings for quite some time. I don't remember, you guys, a quarterback that not only was as mobile as Culpepper was when he began to start for the Vikings, but also basically was built like a linebacker. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he destroyed people. He wasn't mobile in like, Oh, he could just run. And then he runs around guys. That was a guy like Michael Vick. Dante Culpepper used to take guys on and like linebackers himself, he would take them on and sometimes he'd win. Um, now that was a recipe where I early on thought he's going to get hurt at some point in time. Like there's something's going to go wrong and he's going to, to get hurt. And unfortunately, ultimately in Carolina in 2005, he did. Um, but I'm just hard pressed off the top of my head at that time to think of many quarterbacks who had the skill set of, yes, he can run, you know, and by that point, we had certainly seen guys at that position who could run. But think back to how big he was and like he was intimidating. And so he could not only run, but he could get you know, let's say four or five more yards by basically just bullying yes. guys down the field. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, like if you look at today's game, you can probably point to almost half the quarterbacks in the league, if not more, have some level of athletic ability. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, like able to flush out of a crowded pocket or keep a play alive that wasn't supposed to be kept alive. And 2004, when you look at like that same list of quarterbacks we read, exactly. you know, the, the passer rating list, yeah. or 2005, I guess, the next year, how many of these guys are keeping plays alive, right, like Dante was? It was, it was a pretty rare skill set. Peyton Manning, no. 
Carson Palmer, no. Big Ben, a little bit as a young guy. Hasselbeck, no. Bulger, no. Brady, no. I feel like, too, you we know. were getting out of, like, three years before, it was Culpepper, McNair, McNabb, Vic. Like, we, we, I think we saw Steve it. Young was still in the league yeah. for a while, like, in the late 90s. But none of those guys, again, could take guys on. Mm-mm. Like, like right. they desperately tried to avoid you. Yeah. Yeah, Dante would truck a linebacker. Truck, yeah, yeah, Dante said, I'm coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that before that. <laughs> yeah. And he would also, you know, one one thing with him too is, and I think this this evolved a little bit in o three o four, but he was kind of a first read and run guy for a couple of years there too. Where all right, if yes. Moss isn't open, I'm just going to run for 600 yards this season and yes. 10 touchdowns, right? And it worked okay. But as I feel like in o three o four, he got better, and they, you know, they they, they he he carried the ball 106 times in 2002. Yep. Um, and that number came down by like a carry a game or so in 2004. So he was at least once or twice a game, I feel like, just remembering back to using his mobility to stay behind the line of scrimmage and throw a ball down the field, which mm-hmm. is how really how you, sh- you should use your mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, key question number four is presented by our friends at Federated. Maybe the Vikings should have had some better insurance policies for when Randy Moss left the following season via trade. <laughs> Uh, they didn't have a lot of risk management protection at that position, wide receiver. Federated helps business owners across multiple different industries. You can find a list at federatedinsurance.com. Uh, they're one of us based in Owatonna, Minnesota, founded in the early 1900s. They have over a century of experience in helping business owners. They also support Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd and help us entertain you on a daily basis. So support them if you can and if you're a business owner. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. On the Randy Moss front, key question number four. If Moss was able to stay focused on just football, none of the off the field BS things that popped up once in a while, um, if he if he was as hyper focused on football throughout his entire career as he could have been, would he be regarded as the greatest wide receiver of all time? Because I think the biggest thing that separates him and Jerry Rice is the longevity thing, right? Moss's peak seasons and and impact on the league. Probably unmatched, but Jerry Rice was so hyper focused and obsessed into his early forties at being the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yep, Moss his his physical skill started to erode, his straight line speed eroded, and he just sort of I think he just started to get temperamental and disinterested, especially in Oakland for a couple of years and at the end of the Patriots run, yep. and he was just kind of done by the time he was in his mid thirties. But um, would he have been the greatest wide receiver of all time with a couple? personality changes so he was definitely a recalcitrant human being and he didn't and he couldn't stand adults and he didn't trust them i mean he he did some great work behind the scenes uh for and with kids but um here's the thing about moss that i don't think we fully get including me i saw a glimpse of this when he came back here in 2010 but you know randy moss was very dedicated to the craft like he was a really smart dude and he really studied and and i do think i do think he was probably more all in on football than we think because of, of the thing with the uh what the parking meter cop downtown where he where he basically moved that person with his car and get and then there was a, a blunt in the car and blah 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 um Here's my thing with Moss. I don't think he would be regarded as the greatest receiver of all time, but I do think this. I do think he is, and this is probably as important or more so to me. 
He's the most explosive receiver of all time. And I think he holds that mantle to this day. I, I saw, what, what was the debate on Twitter that came out this week? Oh. Was it Tyree Kill? Yeah. Is Tyree Kill the most explosive player? I mean, or or was it this guy, Randy Moss? And it was clearly done by pe- people that didn't see Moss play in Moss's prime, uh, which is hilariously funny. But I don't think, see, because here's, here's where I will give Randy the benefit of the doubt, Phil, on your question. If you think about how he played the game, okay? Because, like, Rice adjusted and morphed his game and stuck around because of that. But if Randy had become a possession guy, like, that wasn't Randy. He was an explosive down-the-field threat, and he was magnificent. But that has a shelf life, and it's not Randy's fault. You just get older, and then you can't do it. So I think the answer to your question is is no, but I do regard him as the most explosive receiver of all time. And could that have lasted a bit longer if he had applied himself a little bit more? Perhaps. Um, I just don't ever see him making the adjustments to the guy like Rice or, or you know, now, present day, I don't know if he's going to play, but, you know, Fitzy has made adjustments to stick around. Yeah. I don't think that was in Randy's DNA. So I'd say the answer to your question is no, but I do think explosive-wise, he he is the guy who ultimately changed the league to what we're seeing today. Yeah, what about you, Dex? Where I are think, you at with Randy Moss historically? I think peak, if you'd look at any wide receiver's peak, their peak ability. Randy Moss is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Um, just that the way he changed the game, his deep threat presence, Jerry Rice and others have accolades on him, and that's all right. But if if you just look at when he was on, it, it was complete. It changed the position. It changed the complete game. It changed everything what he did. And was he an asshat sometimes? One hundred percent. Oh, that's a great word. But at the same time, he was <laughs> unreal, dude. He was he was kind of allowed to be like that because he was so damn good. So, yes, at his peak, I think he is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I you know, whenever we get into Hall of Fame discussions, you know, this is big in baseball. It's always kind of a debate between longevity and counting stats versus peak greatness and you know, I use the Johan Santana example. He didn't even make it to a second year on the Hall of Fame ballot in the major leagues uh, because his career was cut short, right? He didn't have the longevity. He was kind of cooked by the time he was 31 or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? But he had one of the greatest six- or seven-year stretches compared to his era of any pitcher in our lifetimes. You know, he won multiple Cy Young Awards. He was regarded as the best pitcher in baseball for like a four- or five-year stretch. And, yeah, but he didn't put up the same... Okay, well, to me, someone who is who is that great for like a six, seven, eight year stretch, or in Moss's case, more like a ten year stretch. If your peak greatness is above everybody else's, then I don't really care as much about the longevity. Now, would it have helped him if he was still a quality receiver at age thirty eight, thirty nine, or if he had come back to Minnesota and you know, instead of being cooked and petulant behind the scenes, if he had throttled down and helped that team dig out of its hole, then maybe that would have added to his legacy, but. Um, peak greatness I agree yeah I I think he is the fairest thing to say and this is true and important in all sports uh, and um, football it's huge I think Randy Moss if you if we were to accumulate and put together a list of people that have changed and evolved the game the most Randy Moss is a key member of that list Um, because football I mean think think about how it's changed since since 19 95. Think about how it's changed since 2005. I mean, football's evolved and changed constantly to become the game that it is today. And by the way, if it hadn't, 
I don't think it's as popular as it is right now. Like, I think it's popular, yeah. but, but if it's still, uh, you know, let's run the ball. Like, like if Zim, if Zim's <laughs> ideal offense was just the norm still, I think it's a very popular sport, but I don't think it's, it's the sport among the masses that it's become. And Randy Moss is absolutely positively a key member of that list. And I think receiver wise, he might be one of the most three influential guys to play that position ahead of a guy like Rice, yeah. who was a great player. But I don't know that Jerry Rice changed the game as much as Moss did. Well, at some point, I'm I'm guessing we'll do something more Randy Moss specific in Minnesota sports or uh, Purple Rewind here. So uh, we'll dive deeper. But just one more Randy Moss thing. Key question number five off the 4 Dante season. So he found Randy Moss in the end zone to put a dagger in the heart of the Packers at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. So question number five is, a lot of Vikings fans still hate Joe Buck for the way that he described that as a disgusting act. That's disgusting. Um, what, what, what word would you use to describe, if you could take the word disgusting out, what word would you have used if you were calling that touchdown and the subsequent mooning celebration? And at this point in time, do I know the whole backstory of, of how Packer fans would moon the Vikings? Creative. Incredibly creative. First of all, he didn't pull down his pants. Okay, so it's not like he really mooned them. He he basically was having fun. Straight and, cash, homie. Straight yeah. cash, homie. I mean, think about the Randy Moss phrases. Think about the Moss. And yes. Maybe next time I'll shake my... That's one thing. That's what exactly. <laughs> but I would replace disgusting with creative. It was marvelously creative. It, it like, and I, I think it probably opened up an avenue for a lot of guys not to do that, but to get more creative, right? So that's the word that I would use. I think it was creative to do something that Packer fans did to the Vikings. I would use the word inspirational because I think you just alluded to it. He inspired a generation of wide receiver celebrations, right? He inspired the, you know, Joe Horn putting a cell phone in the goalpost padding. That might have happened beforehand. I can't remember when that happened. But um, he inspired Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens. Just be free. Be yourself. <laughs> have fun after scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Mock the opposing crowd. So mm-hmm. I would use the word inspirational. I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, I'm try- I-, I called a little bit of football games in college and stuff. And oh, I-, I-, I would have loved- State. Yeah, at my fun, fun fact, the first football game I ever called, Adam Thielen was still playing for Minnesota State Mankato. Wow, so you called an Adam Thielen game. I did, I did. I was very rusty, Amazing. and it was. I don't think it was a very good broadcast, and I don't want to hear the replay of it. But um, Do, do you have old tapes? I have some old stuff. I have some old stuff. Mostly it's hockey I've, and I've got some old, some old uh, baseball yeah. tapes. You, you and I should just bring our old... Terrible. I'd love to hear those. I'd love to hear these. I'd love to hear the calls. The, the, the hockey and baseball ones were a lot of fun. Football is hard to call. I, I had a tough time calling football. I did not enjoy that as much. Yeah, you um, don't know who, like, everyone's got a helmet on. Yeah. You probably don't have a spotter at yeah. St. Cloud State. No, to help you don't. To at, especially at the campus radio station. You really don't. You're kind of limited in your resources <laughs> there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, not a disgusting act, but like just an, and that is a taunt by Randy Moss. And I, I like to say shake it or something. I like to say he shakes it to the crowd. I think that'd be even kind of funny okay. to say. Yeah. Uh, we need we need these St. Cloud State play by play tapes now. I'll see what I, I can do. I can probably get them. Needs to happen. So, uh, all right. Any final thoughts from you guys here? Two thousand four, Dante Culpepper and Vikings. Yeah, um, I think there's one important thing that we have not touched on yet about Culpepper and the potential for the team to have success um, if he doesn't get hurt, if Moss sticks around, if the Wolves buy the team, and that is this one. 
don't underestimate his drop off before he got hurt in 2005 when when um they put Paul, my guy nicest guy in the history of the world Steve Loney who had been the offensive line coach was also made the OC cuz red was so damn cheap and and I mean Dante in 2004 thrived partially cuz of coaching and so the turnover in OC to have, and I mean, think about this for a second, a guy that does O-line, which is a full-time job. I mean, that's several people that you're coaching. And then you're told, hey, and game plan the entire offense too. So again, that comes back to my point is if the Wilfs had come in here and I think that they would have spent, which because they did, right? Like if you had had an offensive staff that was a real staff and not just uh let's, I mean, that's like a high school or at best a college move. Yeah. So, um, Culpepper definitely suffered because of that. And I think that if you had had an, an offensive staff that had been bolstered by by uh, a group that was willing to spend on it, that Dante definitely does not take the sudden and drastic drop-off that he did right before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, boys, just a quick shout-out before we wrap this episode. So we're all we're – well, Declan and I are golf nuts anyways, and Judd will dabble with the majors, but – there is a Minnesota club pro named Derek Holmes who is participating in the he, – he qualified his way into the PGA Championship. Nice. He is the head pro at PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. So, uh, really? So if, 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 you're, if you're looking to support us and if you're looking right. to support uh, Derek Holmes, why don't you find your way to PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center sometime over the weekend – and uh, check out some of the new Gen 4 golf clubs, the Zero Two Eleven golf clubs. They've got some just great high-performance clubs to take your game to another level. Uh, PXG Minneapolis, Southdale Center. Find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. All right. Dante Culpepper, man. The legend. The <laughs> what-if. One. one of the big what-ifs. Yeah, roll get backwards. Your, get your roll on. Everybody get the backwards roll. roll on. Hey. All right. That's a wrap on today's Purple Daily, Purple Rewind, Dante 2004. What are some other topics and themes you guys would like to see us dive into between now and when uh, the season gets fired up? We, we're going to dedicate Thursdays to just going back and looking at some of these interesting Vikings moments, themes, etc. So hit us up on the Purple Daily YouTube page and let us know what other topics we should dive into. See you guys tomorrow. With winter weather making it harder to stay active, here's a gift idea for the outdoor adventurer in your life. The Allbirds Mizzle Collection. The Allbirds Mizzle is designed for those who won't take snow for an answer, featuring built-in puddle guard technology to keep the winter wonderland where it belongs, not in your shoe. The weather-ready sole offers enhanced traction, so you go on winter runs with confidence, and it's made with premium ZQ Merino wool, a naturally insulating material that keeps your feet warm and sports a low environmental impact. Allbirds displays their carbon footprint right on the shoe, so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset the carbon footprint to zero, making their missile collection completely carbon neutral. So you can stay warm and dry while trading lighter. This holiday season, get on their nice list when you shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.